0: what's up fight fan you're listening to mma daily the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts it is tuesday february 7th 2023 and this week's episode most intriguing champ versus champ fight ever we'll talk about a very busy weekend in mixed martial arts bellator 290 and the final fight of the last emperor Fedor Emelianenko. We'll talk about UFC Vegas 68, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivek. We'll talk about a lot in MMA news, the return of Conor McGregor against Michael Chandler and both coaching the Ultimate Fighter, the shakeup in the schedule in San Antonio, and the announcement Jorge Masvidal putting on arguably one of the most stacked events of the year. And we'll cap it off by talking about this coming Saturday's pay-per-view, UFC 284, two title fights. Mahachev vs. Volkanovski, Yair Rodriguez vs. Josh Emmett, a lot to get into. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio.
1: Hey, Double G. Good morning. Uh, Let's see, I have a lot of thoughts on all the stuff that went down this weekend. And yeah, you laid it out pretty well. (laughs) Lots of interesting news popping up, plus the old main event. So um, first, how are you? And then second, I'm ready to get into it.
0: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, The forum was great. It was, um, you know, it's one of those experiences like I've done the forum more than I think any. Well, I guess I've maybe done T-Mobile technically more, but the forum, it's such a small, intimate venue and I've done it so many times that it's like. I know where I get my food in there. I know how long the wait's going to be. I know where the bathroom is at. I know which bathroom is empty when. I know where I'd like to seat and when I want to be there. You know, it, it, it's just all, you know, it, it's very nice in that way. I'm very, it was quite the experience. Um, Obviously, a lot of MMA on Saturday, like you get home and then there's UFC after. It was It was a lot, but it was good. Um, To get it started though, obviously Bellator 290 on CBS, three fights, a whole undercard prelims on Paramount Plus and YouTube, and obviously the final fight of Fedor Emelianenko against Ryan Bader, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, probably just very bluntly a mismatch, I think that Bellator... Even in the post-fight, I felt like they knew going in, this was more about honoring the last request of the GOAT and knowing that you could try to sell it as opposed to, hey, we are matching the best fight we could have found. In hindsight, do I feel like they could have tried to go with an Overeem, a Barnett? Yes, but I understand. I get it, you know. In-house, Fedor's request, you know, just... Let's just make it happen and let's just ride with it. But yeah, there was a feeling, I feel, uh, even after that fight, it just, um, I was describing it. It was like knowing, you know, people knew something like, ah, uh, you know, like he was trying, but you knew it wasn't going to happen. I said, it's like all these people were there to watch this guy approach a girl to ask her out and you knew she was going to say no, but everyone was like, well, go get it. You know, Dude, like put yourself out there. That's what it felt like. And, you know, after the fight, I would I want to tell you that there was this great wave of something, but it just kind of felt like, oh, well, you know, it was sad to say, but people knew what was going to happen and there was zero surprise and I think even zero quote sadness. Because, you know, it was such a big possibility that, hey, this one just wasn't going to go Fedor's way. I hate to say, I even got the feeling that Fedor felt that a little bit from that crowd. And yeah, you know, I'm not going to talk too much about the fight. Obviously, Ryan Bader faster, you know, avoided the bombs that were being swung early from Fedor. uh, Gets the setup, is able to hit him, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit above the temple back, you know, above the ear back of the ear. Fedor goes down. Ryan Bader's too much for him with Grand pound from the top. Ends in the first round. Um, what were your thoughts watching that one?
1: Yeah, that was uh, not honestly. It's not what I expected. I might have even picked Fedor in a you know hail mary, uh, you know, uh, Deus ex Machina, you know, from the Russian gods um, assist. But but um, once he walked out onto the ramp, I was like. Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) I made him really uh, – there's not even a Hail Mary chance here because, you know, he always has that very serious, stoic look, but this time it seemed a little vacant. Uh, Maybe I'm reading too much into it because of how the fight ended. However, it was not even a a contest, and and there was no chance um, at all for Fedor to hurt Bader Just even, you know, he said he was trying to throw some bombs, but they didn't even look like, if they landed flush, full contact, it didn't look like it would have hurt Bader at all. Bader looked ripped. He looked really strong and really fast. Now, of course, it was easy work for him, and I appreciate him sort of saying at the end, like, he didn't want to have to do that. But, you know, they pay him money to go fight somebody, and he's going to do whatever he has to do to win. It was hard to watch for me and that's coming from someone who didn't know pride Fedor or, even affliction or strike force Fedor, so I'm just going off of the legend that I'm, I'm aware of his legendary status, but you know, I was listening to Luke Thomas and he was, he was criticizing all the people like me who haven't even watched those fights yet and saying like, you have no idea who this man used to be. And, and so I'm going to do my, my homework now and do that. And, um, all that is to say, it was sad to to see how he was finished so quickly, so easily. And then you have to stand there and with your nose all cracked and and you know give a speech and put down your gloves. And I think we've seen that a lot lately: Donald Cerrone, Frankie Edgar, even Jan Jacek. It sucks, right? Nobody wants to lose in their retirement fight, and nobody wants to get beat up in their retirement fight. But okay, it is what it is. Let me go to what I thought was positive, which is bringing out all those legends that he fought. That was amazing. It was really smart. This is something that Bellator is so good at. Not afraid to do something like this, you know, having good relationships with all these fighters so that they can bring everybody together, where, you know, those people would never be in the. Oct- can you imagine all those folks agreeing uh, for Dana White to get together in the UFC Octagon? Like, <laughs> I don't think it would happen. Um, but maybe, what do I know? In any case, that was awesome to see everybody come together. Um, you know, he was the last one still out there trying to compete. So, as far as the matchup goes, I was—you—you—you you, you mentioned this at the beginning of this segment. Did Fedor specifically ask for Bader, or did he just say he wanted wow. the toughest opponent?
0: He, he wanted Bader. He wanted okay. the title, Ryan Bader, etc.
1: I see. Okay. Yeah, that's... So, okay. So, <laughs> Bellator gave him what he wanted out of respect. But it was not even close. And so, that's fine. It would have been more exciting to see him have a chance to show off what he can still do. Um, but I think if, if he feels better and you know, as a warrior, feels like it was a, a more worthy loss to go against the best, then that's all that matters. And so with that in mind, I'm glad for his sake that it, it went the way um, he wanted as far as matchup difficulty level. Obviously, he would have liked to win, <laughs> but it was never going to happen, unfortunately.
0: Oh, yeah. He said in his post press conference, if you could have changed one thing about your career, what would it be? And you know he uh, uh, it was actually very entertaining. You could tell he was clearly trying to give very poignant answers. I think he felt like I know I'm usually very reserved in a lot of these, so I want to give you guys i want to give you guys that effort. I know it's my last one, and I want to be really considerate about it. He stops uh, he thinks every time and when they asked him that question, you know what would you change? He thinks for a second and he says like in you know." Somehow he gets three words in and he's like that. I would have beaten Ryan Bader. That's what I would have changed about my career. <laughs> you know, that's there's fair. a laugh like, OK, that's yeah, I get you. Um, Yeah. You know, with the legends Um, to pivot to the positiveness. Yeah. You know, Bellator. I, I want to put into words why Bellator is able to do this. And it's not just about making a conscious decision. Um, like, oh, we're going to do something special, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There is a level of that, but I think more or less because the UFC brand, and we talked about it a bit with Nganu, we talked a little bit with Anderson Silva and Nate Diaz, is that the UFC brand is always king. Because it's always like no one can be bigger than the brand because that's how they've made so much money. That's why they don't do cross-promotion because the point is – They are such a global titan that to concede that would be to concede a little bit of their monopoly. Remember, to a lot of casual fans, to so many, UFC is the NFL. And the Bellators, the PFLs, they are seen as amateurs or they are seen as arena football compared to NFL, which is obviously not the case. And everyone who watches the sport knows it. UFC has never gone out of their way to correct that or to put out a narrative that says these guys are also on our level. Why? Because then that would kind of concede a great level of power. They don't want to correct it. If more people think that Bellator is the arena football of MMA, UFC loves it. Because obviously negotiating and ratings and star power, it just gives them all the the cards, right? So I think that when you talk about the legends, like the Chucks and the Randys and all of that, everyone going out to do whatever they want to do outside of UFC, UFC is fine because like, okay, like we, you know, we came to an end and like, you know, you go do whatever, but we keep saying we're always going to have the best guys. And I think that's what leads to some of those relationships. And that's why getting all, getting the band back together, so to speak, Can be difficult. I do think the UFC could get a very respectable number of guys and girls. If they ever wanted to do something like Bellator did Saturday. But I acknowledge that for a lot of them it's like you know. These relationships and that relationship. You know it's always business. And fighters it's like okay I also have feelings and all this. So a lot of those feelings and all that I do think prevent that. Because it's like, okay, well, they let me go. I'm not a UFC person, and now I'm a this and I'm a that. I feel like there's a little bit of that going on. Once again, I think UFC could do it if they said, hey, we've had a great relationship with these people. Would you do it? Yes, but I think Bellator's flexibility because of the way they have run business is uh, it's just a little bit easier for them to do it, so to speak. Did I make that clear? Did I make my point?
1: Yes, it makes sense. It
0: does. Yeah, so, but that's one thing. Look, it's special. Bellator, I mean, Scott Coker feels the freedom to do a Grand Prix, particularly because fans aren't necessarily going out in droves to say, why doesn't Bellator do Usman versus AJ, blah, blah, blah. I think that that gives them the freedom to, you know, do some pageantry with the stuff. The UFC kind of feels pressure, like, Let's just make the biggest fight that we want every single time, period. So that's a little bit of that. So I think that's what we saw. Uh, Ryan Bader uh, looks like he's going to wait and see. Ironically, and he's, uh, he acknowledged this, everyone who's in the conversation for the title he's already beaten, Valentin Moldovsky, who had the interim title, right. already beat him, fighting Linton Vassell, who moved up from 205 to heavyweight, And Ryan Bader beat Lin, I believe, in his first title defense of 205. So those two guys are fighting. I could see the winner getting that fight, but then it's like, okay, I also acknowledge that for Ryan Bader, it's kind of like, are we back in the Czech Congo situation where it's like, you know, we've just come back around to a guy we already knew you were better than the first time. The Moldovsky fight was competitive, but you know, now it kind of feels like, well, now you're just almost giving Valentin another shot, you know, kind of like try until you do it. Right. Um, mind you, he's still good. Could easily beat Ryan Bader on a good night. But I acknowledge that for Ryan Bader, it probably feels like high risk, low reward. So tough spot, but that's kind of the state of the heavyweight division right now for him. What are
1: your thoughts? Well, I'm just thinking uh, anybody that anybody knew, out there meaning a newly free agent out there that bellator can sign or you know some new exciting prospects that are good enough to challenge for the belt right away or soon soon that bellator can sign because yeah it is getting a little you know repetitive over there and ryan bader still still top man he still looks great so i'd like to see some fresh blood but I don't know enough you, of the landscape.
0: You mean like some uh, recently released heavyweight champion from Africa?
1: <laughs> I got to tell you, that would be... Um, look, yeah, the thought crossed my mind. Um, not a good matchup for Ngannou, meaning... it, it You know, he's, he's so big and so famous and his star is so huge that I think he deserves better. Like, you know, he's posting about the three boxers he wants to fight. However... He still wants to do MMA, and Bellator would let him do both. They obviously let other fighters do both. Uh, that's a great coup for Ryan Bader. Um, but I think Ngannou would blitz him really fast. But it would still be a, a good win for Ngannou, because Ryan Bader has done good things at Bellator, great things at Bellator. So, yeah, I ain't mad at that. I'm sure Coker and team are, uh, you know, part circulating... Uh, sorry, excuse me, circling Nganu have reached out. Um, so Nganu would be the pie in the sky uh, signing for Bellator and Bader. Is there anybody else? I don't know.
0: I, I wouldn't, s- I don't think so. Unless you do <laughs> someone like PFL or maybe the one championship, mm-hmm. you can maybe do Ryzen, but I feel like Ryzen tends to focus on the smaller guys as opposed to the big guys. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's options, but, In-house Bellator, you know, might be a bit of a rerun, so to speak. But look, once again, it's not that they're bad fighters. It's just that that's the level of depth they have at the moment.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: I do want to point out Ryan Bader, I mean, maybe Curtis Blades is also on his level, but then there's a size disparity. Not too many wrestlers of that effectiveness and efficiency at heavyweight. So Ryan Bader does present a different kind of problem for a guy like Nganu, who, respectfully, well-rounded guys, tough guys, strong guys, but very rarely does he have to take on that thread of wrestling, the kind of, that Ryan Bader would bring. So I do acknowledge that competitively. I think from a straight-up dollar amount and intrigue level, I, I just don't see Nganu wanting it. I mean, when you're talking about Tyson Fury... Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. I have a hard time seeing Ngannou say, you know, I would do this with Showtime and Ryan Bader. That could obviously happen, especially, you know, if he gets the boxing thing out of the way and he still wants to fight, obviously it's going to be an option. You could imagine him almost like, well, let me go get some belts and things like that. I do think that, you know, for my money, and I know... The Joe Rogan, like, quote was put out there from his show. Nganu tries to get a guy like Tyson Fury. I say just go all chips in with Tyson. Hope that you could get it in, like, a July or August. So let's say, I believe the Fury versus Alexander Usyk, they're targeting, like, April or May. Let's say you could get Tyson Fury to swing back around and do August. Let's just pie in the sky, it right? Then set up something, possibly, let's say, once again, and this could all be for naught. John Jones beats Cyril Ghan. Imagine Tyson Fury boxes uh Ngannou. whatever happens with Nganu comes back, fights John Jones in UFC in December. And like, you know, John Jones sits on the shelf, he doesn't try to do no quick turnaround. I think that could be epic. I think that would be awesome. I do acknowledge a lot of things have to go freaking perfect.
1: <laughs> yes, I think so. everything, right? Yeah. Th-
0: th- that being said, I mean, is this not what we really want? Plain and simple.
1: Yeah, we want to see Nganu
0: have the a best. big boxing
1: fight and then come back to the UFC and keep fighting the best heavyweights. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, you could talk about a lot of things. Yeah, you could go over to PFL and everyone over there. Bellator's there. One championship, I'm sure, has the money they would love to offer him. All of that is out there. But I think that, that for the fans, that's what we want to see. Imagine if Ngannou actually looks all right. He has like a Deontay Wilder moment against Tyson. And I, I'm still picking Tyson to win most days of the week. But let's say he has that. OMG. Imagine coming back to UFC after becoming a bigger star like that. To take on a guy like Jon Jones, it would be massive. Once again, a lot of things got to go perfect. These plans could be scrapped less than a month from now, but I'm putting it out there.
1: Do you think the UFC, or Dana White, or Hunter Campbell, whoever's got the real power there, would hold a grudge against Nganu for not re-signing for being so open about what went wrong with his negotiations? Do you think they hold the grudge? Do they care or they just want, you know, if they can get the deal they want, they'll sign him, re-sign him?
0: You know, making money can make a lot of people best friends again. <laughs>
1: That's
0: right. I mean, okay. yeah, a li- yeah, of course. I, I can see if,
1: that. Yeah, if he, but if Engana loses to Fury, do you think they still want him? Depends how... Good goes? or
0: bad, he looks against Fury.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, hey, Connor didn't look the worst against Floyd Mayweather. No. That's he didn't. why he was okay. Now, if you know Nganu just gets murdered in under two rounds, then you know obviously we could have a different conversation about yeah. feelings and money. But for the moment, I would say no. Let's not worry about that. Let's think positive. But um, yeah, I think that that's that's what I see. But. I think we talked about this. Connor and Dana weren't in the best place, and then they started making money, and it was like, hey, suddenly we're best friends again, right? <laughs> making money can make a lot of things better.
1: Yeah, it sure um, can. <laughs> I'm going to
0: move us along because we've got a few things to discuss. Uh, real quick, um, Brennan Ward, sick fight against uh, Saba Homasi to open CBS. That was pretty good. Uh, Johnny Eblin, um, look. It's kind of like a, I believe Musasi has the fight with uh, Leon Edwards' brother. Obviously, talking about next for the title, but he looked good also. Uh, if you saw it on the prelims, Lorenz Larkin with the nastiest elbow we've seen in a minute—that was a great knockout for him. Um, also, trying to get back, get to a title shot again. So it was good, some good stuff over on Bellator early Saturday. Um, so, that, you know, if you tuned in, especially late prelims through the card, you probably got your entertainment's worth out of it. And then we talk about it. I'll be honest, main event ended probably around twelve thirty, twelve forty-five ish for UFC. So I know we were talking about, oh, they're fighting at like 3 a.m. It actually wasn't the worst, if I'm being honest. I feel like I've been awake plenty of times past midnight. I know that's me in my life. I know, Natalie, you're asleep at like... with a child, so (laughs)
1: 6:30 a.m. You mean
0: (laughs) something like that? You gotta get it somewhere. But uh, Derek Lewis, Sergei Spivak. Oh boy, Uh, that one, that one's low key. Could have been as depressing as Fedor and Bader. It was. (laughs) Uh, Just you know, Derek never got going. Finds you know the speed on Spivak. I gotta say, I didn't expect him to feel and look that fast. He was clearly dialed in, gets it going. Derek never really gets his exchanges, never really gets Spivak hesitating. They get on the ground, Spivak does what he does. First round, arm triangle, gets the mount, steps over, uh, locks it in. That's all she wrote. Um, Very impressive. He deserved to be as pumped up as he was. Um, I don't want to take anything away from him. Obviously... Everyone loves watching Derek win or lose. You always want him to have a good showing. Didn't get that, but full credit to Spivak. He went out there and just handled it. What were your thoughts?
1: We definitely did not get a good showing from Derek Lewis. It was, there was no time room to do that. Um, He never (laughs) made an effort. It seems like, but you know, we don't know. It could have just been that Spivak was that good. Um, You know, Fedor at least tried, whiffed on some punches, but for my memory, it doesn't seem like Derek Lewis even got that far. So it was tough to watch for sure. And, uh, yeah, coming off of the Fedor fight, it was very reminiscent. of The performance, the feeling afterwards, of course, almost worse for Lewis because he's still presumably technically at the top in his, you know – in the game, he's still a big name, whereas, you know, this was Fedor's retirement fight. And, you know, we didn't, most people anyway, didn't expect that much. You just hoped for that much. With Derrick Lewis, you're still expecting a lot. And so I'm just wondering what the heck happened. What happened to him in the cage? What happened beforehand? He's, is he just having some, is, does he have the yips, you know, the MMA yips? Because it's been a tough road for him. Or is there something else we don't know about? But um, regardless, it was hard to watch. But great win for Spivak, man. I mean, he looked good, like you said.
0: Yeah, um, I was looking at it just for Spivak. I mean, if they want to do like Sergey versus Sergey with Pavlovich, that could be an option. Curtis Blades needs somebody. That could be something. Um, there's where are we at with stipe do they try to rush a john jones stipe fight cyril versus stipe fight if not could stipe and spivak be a thing i mean i think even maybe uh pavlovich stipe just to throw that out there but yeah there's options for him i'm pretty sure they he's going to be sitting and waiting until they get a solution because if cyril gone wins that opens up a lot next month as opposed to a john jones win i think if it's If Jones wins, doesn't matter what anyone else looks like. He probably wants Stipe. Um, And then you put Spivak and Pavlovich with the guys who are out there. If a, um, you know, that's just it. It, I think we just got to wait and see. And then obviously you talk about Ngannou again and all that. Could something like that get back in the mix? But for sure, we're not going to really get a real indicator until after Jones and so That's what I think. What about you?
1: Yeah, I think, of course. Uh, But I do like uh, Spivak's Moxie and, you know, Bisping pushed him on it. But, you know, you got to give me a name. And he's like, all right, right, give me a name, John Jones. Let's go. Like, I'm not going to mince any words or pull any punches. I want the top. I want the best. Spivak, just based on his physique, you know, he's active. I think he's got a good shot in my mind because we have no idea what John Jones is going to look like. So. Eventually, if that happens, I ain't mad at it. But yeah. I got John Jones is going to want to fight him. He's probably just going to want to do big names.
0: Oh, hey, for sure. But I, I, I agree with you. I didn't even. I totally forgot about that. But yes, it's like, well, come on, you ask yeah. me. Yeah. Let's get some. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I see you. I see you, sir. Okay. I, yeah. I don't. I'm not mad at it. Right. Uh, Tom Aspinall needs somebody. I know that he really wants to come back in March, but he's, he even admitted, yeah, it's like, you know. The MMA gods have to come in and work a little witchcraft on my knee for me to make it in March. So most likely April, May. But even if they say, like, Spivak Aspinall in June, great fight. You know, so I think that that's all, you know, there's options is my point. But that's where I'm at with him. Um. That was a lot of Saturday news tell me did were you awake with joe when dana white decided he wanted to go live again (laughs) no i wasn't oh my god so i remember i woke up and you know like a lot of people have the bad habit i just pick up my phone i know i don't know why i expect like a lot of stuff happened overnight when it's like dude all the people i follow were also sleeping what could it be (laughs) um but yeah I, i wake up And I look at Instagram and ironically, the news is already out there. But the first notification is like the main one is, oh, like Dana White on the UFC account. I'm going live and um, and, like I'm going live in 10 minutes. Okay. And you look at when it was posted and that was 20 minutes ago. Oh, so I'm like, well, wait, what did he say? And, you know, it's like uh... and I guess I was a little shocked because it's like, what the heck could you be dropping at 8 a.m.? Right, you get what I mean. Um, so obviously, scroll and read, and uh, I. Th- I'll be honest, I cheated. I didn't want to watch his announcement. I was like, ESPN, give me the headline. And of course, it like technically it was like a three pack, but there was the centerpiece, obviously, Connor versus Michael Chandler, coaching the Ultimate Fighter, likely having a fight late August or September. Most likely September. That tends to be where they go back to Vegas during the year after july um and yeah uh, we're hearing more most likely at welterweight um we'll touch on the other little stuff in a second but you get that news it's not tony ferguson ariel hawani did say they tried to talk a little bit of nate diaz but it never really got a lot of momentum so michael chandler gets his big fight what are your thoughts
1: honestly i was excited and shocked and and I thought, "Oh, we were just talking about Tony Ferguson and how that would be a good one and I don't think we even mentioned Michael Chandler as a potential coach opposite McGregor." But it's perfect. It makes way more sense than Tony Ferguson because well, Ferguson would have been great too, but Chandler still feels to me it still feels like, you know, it's a, it would be a more competitive fight at the end than the Ferguson fight just because of how Ferguson has looked versus Chandler how he has looked. You know, they're both losing fights, but Chandler's in there brawling and giving it his all and just, you know, not coming out on top. But, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. I'm going to watch every episode of Tough, and I'm going to be, you know, on the edge of my seat when these two guys come together and fight. They're both really good on the mic. McGregor, well, he's, you know, they're both good. They both think about what they're going to say ahead of time, but Chandler is the best at rehearsing and delivering his, uh, his speeches. So, you know, he's going to have some gems for tough and for, um, you know, Mark interviews, whatever it is, press conferences. So this is going to be the most exciting, I think tough matchup in a long, long, long time. Cause these guys are super quick witted, intelligent, funny, clever, and they can be nasty if they have to be. And, um, as far as the fight goes when that time comes this one is going to be a, a good one. Uh, Chandler's more of a brawler of course in the UFC anyway. Uh, McGregor doesn't like to brawl. You know, he he's been in there with with Nate Diaz and you know when when the punches start flying really fast, he kind of, you know, does a little jog to the next panel of the cage. So if Chandler goes in with that same strategy that hasn't worked against Poirier and Gaethje and Oliveira, um, it might work against McGregor. That's uh, So I want to see more of how these guys look in le- leading up to the to the fight, you know, just, just footage of them training, what's McGregor saying, what's Chandler saying. All in all, I'm very excited about this one, and I, I say a, a round of applause to the UFC for pulling this together.
0: Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing with it, before we get too many uh, X's and O's as you broke down, Um You know, if you ask me honestly, like, the last few years, Poirier was also a tough fight, and we found out how bad for Conor in hindsight. But when you ask me, like, all right, who was maybe the worst style matchup, and in all likelihood still is for Conor McGregor, I would have said Justin Gaethje. For reasons like, okay, his defense, his power, and his wrestling. Michael Chandler, not good Justin Gaethje in that I think that Chandler is more likely, like you said, to brawl with you. He's he's going to go. He's got all that horsepower in that first round, and he gets after it, and it's so much to deal with. Honestly, I think there's a reason why only the top-level guys have survived it and come back. It's because it's such a handful. He's got that power. He's more durable than a lot of people give him credit for. I mean, Jay, Gaethje cracked him, didn't uh, finish him. Poirier submitted him. Olivera, well, Olivera TKO'd him, but um, my point being, he's a tough guy to get out of there with hands, and I don't see Conor McGregor looking to uh, put on this great grappling clinic after two years away, and, uh, you know, probably a titanium rod in his, uh, you know, in his shin. (laughs) My point, though, is that Chandler presents a level of problems with the wrestling, with the you know, the size that I, you know, that's why essentially I said, if you're talking about what's the best fight for Conor McGregor to win and still have a big name, it was Tony. Tony's different, going to just bang with you. Chandler, he could very well look at Conor, fake the, you know, pump the jab and then just shoot a double. Boom, Chad Mendez style, right? Yeah. Honestly, and it could be like the most anticlimactic Matchup in UFC Chandler knows he would love to just stop Connor with hands, but you're talking about getting the victory. No.
1: Yeah. He needs a win. Even Tony.
0: Tony wouldn't have just gone for the takedown. That's just not how Tony's built. He could, but Tony grapples differently if I'm being honest. Yeah. So, but my point of this, my point of all of this is to say that when I put all that together, that's why I wouldn't have gone with Michael Chandler. If you're Connor. Mm Uh, That being said, okay, this is what we got. Let's go with it. Now we're talking about the personalities. Obviously, there's inspirational Chandler or whatever the (laughs) internet likes to call him. And then Connor, we could get nice Connor. We we could get whiskey Connor. We could get dad Connor. You know, there's a lot of different characters he's given us over the years. But okay, you know, talking about it, uh, 10 or so weeks on tough. Uh, back and forth. They're also going to do it on big ESPN, not just ESPN+. Plus. I think that's huge. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, I think you put all of that together. Okay, that's really going to hype this up. And then, you know, the fight will be what it'll be. I think everything, when you talk about a successful, tough season, it's got to be a lot of different elements. I think it also helps when there's a great cast, because then you have supporting characters. It's not just... ...these two guys for an hour every week. So I think that that helps it from a reality show standpoint. But for sure, I think that there's a lot of little factors... ...how did these guys approach it... ...will ultimately determine what level of entertainment we get. Because really, you know, like I said... ...if Chandler just decides he wants to wrestle... ...and take a very efficient way to victory... ...all of this talk for 10 weeks of tough and all of this on ESPN... It's going to feel very, very silly. So that's where we're at. But in terms of seeing Connor for that many weeks, I think I speak for a lot of fans. Love him or hate him. That's the whole entertainment, right? He knows how to entertain arguably better than anybody else on the roster. Um, Since he's become a superstar, I acknowledge that it kind of feels like there's a little bit of a, you know, it's like a hype beast kind of thing. Like you know before it was like oh because he's exciting now you have a lot of people who are just there because they follow his every word no matter what right i hope we get the old conor because that was a lot of fun so
1: me too one quote. one last question sure. for you do you think dylan dennis is cr- is calling Connor mcgregor right now and saying uh I, back on your team.
0: I think Michael Chandler should call him, to be honest. <laughs> I think uh, I, I heard this. Nah, nah, he, he's Michael Chandler should call Dennis. Yeah. He should call Artem Lobov. Call Ar- Ar- Ar-
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I think he should do all of that. James Gallagher. So just... Mm, I want mental warfare. That's hilarious. Um, Yeah, the impression I get is that even Connors like, Dylan, we used to be cool. Now you're just clout chasing. Mm-hmm. So... I think Connor wants nothing to do with Dylan anymore. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Other tidbits, the April pay-per-view with uh, Adesanya Pereira, Masvidal Burns will be taking place in Miami. So hard to really, uh, I mean, this is kind of like the night of Jorge Masvidal's life, right? I mean, three fight skid gets the Miami crowd, gets a great opponent. Um, Adesanya and Pereira are gonna get some love. They're both popular. They're both good. Obviously, uh, the undercard's great, but obviously, it kind of feels like it's kind of like uh, the Olympics, like the Winter Olympics and hockey for countries like Canada and Russia. Like, heard, I remember when they had the Sochi Olympics, and they were talking to the like the Russian reporter. Like, how big is Russia's loss in the hockey game to get eliminated? And he said, honestly, Russia wins the gold medal in hockey. Nothing else matters. Russia gets eliminated from the Olympics in hockey. Nothing else matters. For me, it's all, it almost feels like the same thing with Masvidal. He's going to be such a focal point that it's like, if Masvidal goes out there and stops burns, nothing else that happens in the night matters. It'll just be like, like yeah, so-and-so looked good, and he looked good, and she looked good. Masvidal got the knockout, and it went bananas in Miami. Nothing else matters.
1: Yeah, it would go bananas in Miami pretty pretty darn hard. Everybody else,
0: like, if everybody else goes off and Masvidal just gets, you know, has a bad night, it ends quickly. He looks horrible. It's gonna be like, Oh, that was awesome. Dang, that really sucked about Jorge though, didn't it?
1: Yeah, go out just like Scarface does at the end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. So that's my one thing about Jorge in Miami is so much pressure. I mean he loves it. I'm sure he's inviting it. I'm sure he's like, Man, even if this goes bad, let me go out, how I'm gonna go out, but let me at least get to try it in front of my peeps. So uh, I respect that. Sean O'Malley signs a new contract. Um, Does this mean a title fight? I would hope so. But all of this talk of horror, not horror, uh, Henry, Aljo, it's like... I acknowledge I'm not really sure what they're planning to do with Sean O'Malley. It almost feels like they want him on deck as a backup. Or they're just going to admit like, hey... You're going to have to wait till the end of the year to fight and you're just taking time off. So I don't know, but I feel like that's a good sign. I He's definitely this great catalyst for the new fan base of the UFC with Contender Series and all that. So I think that's great for him, but it does make me wonder like, OK, when are we going to get a fight for you? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, good good move for him. And you know, I no uh, no pressure, no no rush for for Sean. He's got eight fights, um, and maybe he just wants to take it easy too a little bit until summer or something. I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Um, this one a quick one. UFC shakes up the schedule. Next Saturday was supposed to be Corey Sanhagen versus Chito Vera, but they've now been pushed back. They are going to fight on March twenty. 5th because uh, and uh, i'll address that so now they get bumped up month and a half ish like uh, i think technically speaking a little more and instead next saturday gets Tyler santos versus aaron blanchfield i have to double check i'm not sure if they're a five rounder but um before the san antonio event the main event was going to be raquel pennington and rena Aldana too what are your thoughts on this overall
1: the main event in San Antonio was going to be Pennington Aldana. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's an odd choice for a non apex event, you know, because although that Pennington Aldana would get after it for sure. Um, I would have figured they'd go with bigger names. And so this move makes sense. They should have just done it to, from the, from the get go. Um, Pennington Aldana to just it just feels more like a co-main to me so I like it um, and then as far as what's taking over for Sanhagen Cheeto Vera is that going to be at the apex
0: yeah so Tyler and Tyler and Aaron are still apex next yeah week.
1: I mean Aaron Blanchfield is very exciting fighter man I really like what she's doing so that's a perfect apex main event they did the right thing again maybe should have done this from the beginning to not mess up everyone's plans
0: yeah, so when I look at it, um, I know the fans are like, oh, well, that deserve." Uh, I, I want to make it clear, a lot of these fights have deserved fans. And I understand schedule-wise and all that, but, like, they were, imp- I think, now that we're in 2023, and I think fans felt a different way, even about Derek Lewis, because it's like, wait, wasn't this supposed to be here, and what's up? I'll be surprised there was not more outcry to see Derek in front of fans, but okay, I think it's the card overall. I think because of the popularity of Cheeto and Corey was why there was a more visible reaction. Why is this Apex? Imagine them here, imagine them there, right? So I think that that's why there was a reaction. I can only assume that, you know, they, they wanted different stuff, I think, for San Antonio... But when they're like, "All right, Pennington Aldana," and I think that they got, they took the temperature and they saw that it was cold. They're like, fans are not having it for X amount of dollars, and you know that's going to be the headliner. So they called an audible, and I'm sure. What I don't like about it, we found out about this less than, like a week ago. Like they're they're supposed to be fighting in two weeks. So, yeah. essentially, you get to the tail end of camp only to hear, hey, it's going to be another month. you got to stay this lean and this in shape.
1: Yeah, that's um, messed up, man. I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. UFC's the boss, right? They tell you, you're staying later, you're staying later. But I, I just feel like that was a little bit of a reaction that I wasn't expecting. I think that the UFC, in this way now, it's twofold. You actually do sell out San Antonio with them, and you kind of get to appease the fans they were so like why are they Apex why are they this and that I, w- I don't see this happening and I hate to say it it's because not everyone cares about all the fights the way they did about Cheeto versus Corey but I think unfortunately one of the things that we're going to see happen is that like there's still Apex fights scheduled after this and so like the out- if the outcry is not the same each time I feel like we're still going to have more Apex fights that people don't push them to get on the road more. So right. But, but yeah, so that's my one thing. I think that this is that's why this move was made. They need to move tickets. They made a call. They saw a way to kill two birds with one stone, kind of earn a little more fan support back. I know they have a lot. They don't need it, but hey, we're giving the people what they want. They get to see this in front of a crowd, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um I feel like, uh, I'll say it straight up, I think if you're a UFC fan, you really want to see them come to your town, you gotta galvanize social media, you almost like those, you know, petitions that you always see online, and just get this insane amount of attention like, hey, bring UFC back to Denver, bring UFC back to Chicago, you want them to have fight nights in your city and stop doing Apex and get to go see a show without paying for a flight to Las Vegas, Nevada, do that. Because I think that's how you're going to get the UFC to be like, okay, you know, like, they all want us to go, let's do it. So I think that that's the way to do it. Because I think that that's maybe the one thing people are just kind of waiting and hoping UFC picks them. I think you really want to do this across the board. That's what you got to do. You get what I mean?
1: I do. I get it, man. It's, uh, you know, unfortunately, you got to, the people have to, you know this is this was something that was just automatic before the pandemic and now the people have to stamp their feet and make some noise to get things getting back to normal with the ufc so all right if that's what it takes i guess so
0: no i get what you're saying for sure for sure um i know that uh joe is trying to come be a co-host as he's learning his alphabet over there He's doing he's reading, well.
1: He's, he's, he's reading the keyboard. He's doing very well.
0: <laughs> he's getting there, right? He's yep. getting there. <laughs> uh, let's talk about a little bit of other news. Jorge Masvidal, uh, Gamebred Boxing. And I'm sorry, but Jorge decided that he's freaking, you know, Oscar De La Hoya, Eddie Hearn. He hits us with all of these, and I almost, I'll be honest, I thought it was fake. I thought there is no way that he actually pulled this off. So, April 1st in Milwaukee... Anthony Pettis versus Roy Jones Jr. is the main event. Boxing, mind you. Um, then you have Jose Aldo. What? Against Jeremy Stevens, a rematch. Boxing. Jacare vs. Vitor. Paul Daly versus Anthony Taylor. I'm sorry, but that is a solid night of MMA boxing. I was very impressed. I did not know that Masvidal had that kind of, uh, you know, those kinds of pockets game bread boxing what were your thoughts on dude, this? dude i was
1: so impressed too i was like what did he how did he do all this and like what do mma guys always want to do box they want to test themselves in, in the boxing ring yeah and like mazadol's just like hey everybody got some money for you come box and it's perfect because it's mma yeah. fighters boxing mma fighters it's genius and except for roy jones it's genius and the matchups are perfect um yeah man he pulled this out of left field but in a good way and i'm watching man this this is surprisingly shockingly really really good card really good matchmaking smart move from game bread i don't know who else is on his team and doing all the the hustle but these guys deserve a round of applause very very surprising very very cool
0: no, I, I agree with you. I think um I'm just ready for it. Uh, in particular, Jose Aldo. Like, you know, I would have thought he's looking to just do his thing in Brazil and all that. You know, I get it. So the fact that, uh, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Obviously, all those guys are legends and veterans. And, you know, they could pull a pretty nice uh, paycheck anywhere. I think that they have and the fact that there's just enough depth that they're able to do that. To me, is just very impressive. Like I said, I didn't know he had that kind of uh, resources. So that was a great job. Home run. I'm looking forward to it. I'm assuming it's going to air on Fight Pass, which I think is great. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I- I'm ready to see it. For sure, man. Yeah. Obviously, we have a big pay-per-view. Um, Double header. We're going to start from the bottom up. Yaya Rodriguez, Josh Emmett, interim featherweight title. Uh, Volkanovski walks out of uh, Australia with a belt no matter what he's not gonna lose his featherweight championship no matter what happens with Islam so this does set up an interesting situation but to start kicking it off uh, straight up you got Yair very dynamic striker works his best at mid-range long range he's improved his boxing so much He's worked his grappling. He hasn't had to show it that often. Max didn't really look to grapple him too much. Zombie didn't look to grapple him too much. He didn't really grapple much with Jeremy Stevens. Um, Brian Ortega got hurt. And he was on top of Brian Ortega, if I'm not mistaken, when Brian hurt his shoulder. Um, So we don't really see too much of the wrestling of Yair. That's a very big point when you talk about Josh Emmett, who's been consistent. This is kind of his big breakthrough moment. He finally gets the big fight, gets to throw down the gauntlet, make himself the number one guy. Well-rounded, stocky, solid striking, but the big threat is that his size plus his well-roundedness. He can throw hands with you, and he could take you down and grapple with you. And he's very comfortable using both of those weapons in a fight, not just, oh, my striking's going bad, let me start to wrestle. I think that that's what makes him a very big um, handful for a lot of these guys at featherweight. Also, Yair Rodriguez. So I think this makes for a very interesting style matchup. What about you?
1: It does. It does make for an interesting style matchup. But look, man, I don't know. (laughs) Yair Rodriguez looks great. Josh Emmett, what has he been eating? Doesn't he look twice his size right now? And I don't know if it's because the beard's bigger but the muscles look bigger too. Just just looking at that, at the way he, he's boxing the speed, oh. I think that he is going to blitz through Yair Rodriguez. I know that sounds crazy because Yair is definitely someone that has so many amazing tools to use to rely on kicks and punches and fluidity and movement, but Josh Emmett to me is just looking unstoppable. I think he's going to bulldoze Rodriguez. I'm just going to say it now. I think he's going to do a knockout round two, overhand right hand or, you know, some kind of looping hook, and it's going to be all she wrote.
0: Oof. Yeah, I mean r- real quick I think Josh Emmett's on that championship diet that's what you're saying yeah
1: yes. but um, <laughs>
0: no um you Not know what?
1: anything bad by it. he just looks like he's been putting it work and putting in work man
0: it's the championship diet when you're fighting for belts that's what you're supposed to look like
1: exactly exactly you No, know, I
0: want him to think I'm a I want that mental intimidation
1: oh yeah um
0: but to talk about that um yeah I, I once again I think that Problem with uh, or I don't want to call it a problem because it's so much fun to watch. It's beautiful striking. But when you talk about Yay Rodriguez, I think that while that's fun to watch against certain competition, when you talk about those guys who could do everything, like a Max, like a Josh, like a Volk, um, n- now you're talking about quite the challenge. Because as you're trying to do all of this, I think there is a big part of like, okay, do I have the skills... Do I have the effectiveness when I'm dealing with somebody who's not interested in making this fun and they want to grapple me, close the distance, and i got to do this for 25 minutes? That's where the real challenge for him really starts to come in. So I do think that there's going to be a level of that to be dealing with. I think that there's just something that you've got to really think about if you're Yair Rodriguez. I think for Josh Emmett, yeah the routes to victory are a little more apparent. I think that a victory for Yair is definitely going to come from straight up being able to maintain that mid-range, really shut him down, really do all of that. You know what I mean? So I think that's going to definitely be the key. I think he's going to have to be able to do that. Um, But I'm with you there. I actually really lean toward Josh Emmett in this one. I think that that's going to be... uh. I think the grappling is just everything that that's going to be how he gets it done. So I'm going to go Josh Emmett. I'm going to say uh third round. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a breakdown and that's how he's going to have to get it done.
1: I like it. I like it.
0: Uh, the future is going to be determined by obviously how things go in the main event. So I got to say, you know, the, they've talked about this 22 fights for Volkanovsky a lot of people say until John Jones competes again, he is he has proven himself to be probably the top fighter in the world right now. Particularly after Kamaru Usman took a loss. Now Volk is the only one really kind of carrying it right now. So he's the he's the king, so to speak, who hasn't lost the throne. I I do acknowledge that that's very impressive. I think that now there's also a level of um you know with Mahachev, he's looked, he looked great against Charles. But now it's like, okay, this guy who's so different, who's so good at multiple things, and everyone's just saying, well, now only Mahachev has his wrestling. What can he do? Can he do it? And I think that that's what makes this such an interest- interesting fight, such a fun fight, is that there's a lot of X factors. I think in most categories, objectively, striking, speed, maybe even conditioning – you lean toward Volkanovsky. Obviously, if they get into just pure grappling, who can get the other down and all of that, you start leaning toward Mahachev. Then the X-Factors. How does Volkanovsky deal with a guy who's going to be, let's just say, he's thicker, he's going to be harder to put down overall in Mahachev? Probably a little slower. Fair enough. But still proven himself to be a particularly dangerous guy. That is the things that both of these guys really got to address and i think that that's what's going to make this one really interesting what about you
1: yeah i think when i think about these guys it is interesting they have such unique resumes volkanovsky firstly there's this rugby background where he was charging into dudes so so yeah so i look at islam and i think man he's a killer dude he kind of scares me the way the look in his eyes and he said something in the countdown or the embedded i don't know what about how kids grow up playing soccer. And he says, in Dagestan, we grow up wrestling. That's what we're doing in the streets as little kids. It's like You can't learn that in a training camp. And you can't learn that even in your whole career as an MMA fighter. You can't learn the kind of wrestling that we have. So I think about Volkanovsky and I think he has what it takes. He can win this. If anybody can beat Mahachev, he can do it. Then I look at Mahachev, and I think, oh, man, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> I think Mahachev's wrestling... It's still going to be too much, even for someone as skilled and talented and determined and gritty as Alexander Volkanovsky. So I'm going to tell you right now, I think Volkanovsky is going to give a good fight, but ultimately Mahachev will be able to not only get him down, but hold him down. And it's going to end a lot like it did with Oliveira. Second round submission, Mahachev stays champ.
0: I mean, I think here's the thing. It's like you just got to put respect on Mahachev. I think the thing about it is every time... Like you you see these guys like a Stipe, like a, um, a who am I thinking? Like Eddie Alvarez, like all, all these double-chip situations. And it's like the second they start fighting that really talented smaller guy and th- they just look so slow and plodding. I think that's a, so, the thing that I always see. And I'm like, how is it I've seen this guy be so dynamic and it's like this little guy is making them look like a refrigerator. And I feel like just because of the way he moves, we could see that from Mahachev, particularly with a guy like Volkanovski. And then it's like, well, he's chopped down how many guys, he's done what to who. I, I just feel like he's got more weapons than just the size and the grappling, plain and simple. That being said, it's Volk. If you ask me who do I think has probably the best game right now and is... I don't know, just makes it look as good. It's like he reminds you just how good he is each night. And I don't mean like, oh, well, he's got all that striking. I mean, yeah. He puts all of it together. And it's like, okay, you know, so I would actually go with Volk in all of those other categories. Um yeah, I I just got Volkanovski. I'm going to go I'm going to go fourth round TKO, Natalie. By Volkanovsky? Yes.
1: That's great, man. Because look, I think he's Ma- that know, good. Yeah, he is. The thing is, he is. And my heart, my heart pick is Volk, and I would love to see that. But just, you know, that's that's where I am. But I'm I'm with you as far as the energy I'm I'm throwing out into the universe. It's for your pick. But my brain is telling me Mahachev is still going to prove to be, is going still going to prove to the world that that Dagestani wrestling is is yet to be um, figured out, you know, but, but hey, uh, I like your pick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, look, I mean, look, look, so we're split. We got a uh, Islam and Volk in the main event. Um, then we're both going with Josh Emmett in the co-main. Uh, I mean, we're going to obviously discuss it. It's going to become a moot point either way, hold this, but um, Volk wins. I think it really depends on one. How does he look? How Like if it, If he barely squeaks by Mahachev, he might say, hey, look, I'm going to go back to 45. Um, Maybe not permanently, but just like, hey, I'd rather, you know, take it easier on me after that in terms of like, okay, I want the size advantage back more or less. Right. If uh, obviously he loses, he goes back to 45 immediately. But I think if he looks good at 55, he may just try to keep this ball rolling and be like, all right, give me Benil. Um, and just maybe Josh and Yair, the winner of that one fights the winner of Max and Arnold Allen, particularly if it's Arnold, I think if Max beats Arnold Allen, they just wait. But if Arnold Allen wins, I could see them kind of like, okay, well now build up, like really throw down the gauntlet, really make Volk look like, what, are you afraid to come back down here? We've been waiting for you. You haven't fought any of us. I I think that that's what they do. Plain and simple. What about you?
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I think Volk. After you know, no matter, regardless of the outcome, he'll have gone on quite a competitive. he be coming off quite a competitive role, you know, fighting in 145, making weight at 155 to be an alternate, then competing for the title. So, um, you know, he can pretty much even even if he loses, I think he'll still have his. His say, you know, stay at 155 and try to earn a shot back at the shot at the title, excuse me, um, or go back down to 145 and keep keep the conveyor belt rolling. Um, but probably he'll want to take a break. So I think it'll be. a. L- I don't know, man. I say that. But the way he is, he's just kind of the kind of guy that doesn't want to stop. The kind of guy that doesn't need a break. So I don't know, but I don't think he'll abandon 155 if he loses. I'll say that.
0: Alright, that's fair. I mean look, it is a competitive weight class, anything could happen. You could always say he wants to move up, fight hey, defend the title two or three times and suddenly it's like, hey, why not try it again? Someone's new at the top. Why yeah. not? Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it'll be just that kind of case of things, particularly with how fifty five is right about now. But yeah, I mean obviously we'll talk all about that next week and we'll get a more clear idea how everybody looks in each weight class. Um, Next week will be the return to the Apex, like we mentioned earlier, Tyler Santos versus Aaron Blanchfield. So until then, thanks for listening. Remember, like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back next week.